Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. At First Baptist, we exist to love God, love people, and make disciples. We hope you find yourselves blessed, encouraged, and challenged by this week's message. For all things First Baptist, how you can get involved, or for more information, you can follow us on social media, YouTube, or visit us at fbcrockhill.org. This month, we are focusing on praying and fasting. Um, Praying and fasting for our own individual growth as followers of Jesus, for the development, the growth of others in our family of faith. Praying for our own boldness to speak his name, to be a witness, invite people to church, and for others in our family to to be more courageous and bold in sharing the gospel. And and we're praying for people who are far from God to be saved. So last, last week we taught on fasting, and we're asking everyone, encouraging everyone to choose one day a week, whatever day you want, and fast for those purposes. And if you're struggling with it, that's okay. Keep doing it. How do we learn? By doing So don't let the struggle discourage you. Just stay with it and uh, choose a day. Maybe in your mind right now, what day can you fast this week and commit to it? This morning, I want to talk about prayer. Praying for those who are far from God. Because all of us in this room have people we care about, we worry about, we're concerned about. Because they're not walking with Jesus. They're not living for the Lord. Maybe they prayed a prayer and became, said they got saved years ago, but there's no evidence of it. And we don't know if they're really saved or not. Maybe they have no interest. Uh, whatever the situation, they're far from God. They're not walking with the Lord. And you're worried about them. You're concerned about them. So I want to talk about praying for them uh, this morning because it breaks our hearts. I remember when our daughter Jacqueline and her husband, because he's in the Air Force, moved to Italy. I think it was in 2013. We only had the one grandchild then, Liam. And I, Liam was, I don't know, three, something like that, maybe four. I don't remember exactly. But anyway, they were they were moving to Italy, and, and we dropped them off at the airport up here in Charlotte and drove on to Kentucky. And that was one of the most, most, most somber feelings I've ever had in my life. As we, as we left, we drove for two hours and didn't say a word, just a little tears, taking my grandbaby to, Cal- to, to, to Italy. How, how dare you do that? Breaking my heart. And uh, just that distance and the distance between the people you care about and God breaks God's heart. You think you care? You think you worry? You think you're concerned? God's, God doesn't worry, but God loves them. And it bothers him. And he wants a relationship with him. And when they're far away from him, that hurts the father's heart. And, and therefore, he wants us to be his instruments to bring them to God. And the most important weapon you and I have is prayer. And we, we, don't, we often don't think of prayer as the most important weapon. It's kind of the leftover. It's the last resort. But it's the most important thing we can do in this spiritual battle. So I want to teach on that today. And I'd like for you to open your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second, I mean, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let me see your copy of God's Word. Hold it up, electronic, printed, bring it with you. Thank you so much. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Timothy was a young man who was a pastor, preacher, evangelist, missionary, being mentored by the Apostle Paul and 1 Timothy is a letter Paul wrote Timothy giving him practical instructions on how to lead and pastor a local church where he was serving at that moment in time. 
And in chapter two, the first part of it, he teaches him about prayer and what to lead the church to do when it comes to this matter of praying, especially for those who are far from God, those who are not saved. And so I want us to read the first eight verses and then talk to you about this subject. Chapter two, first Timothy verse one, he says, first of all, this is a priority. I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, all people. For kings and all who are in authority, pray for leaders so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires. God, our Savior, who desires, who wants all men, not some, all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants everyone to know the truth, Jesus. Know the truth of the gospel, the truth about salvation. Verse 5, for there is one God, not many, just one, and one mediator between God and men, between God and people, between God and us. The man Christ Jesus, he's the mediator. And this Jesus in verse 6 gave himself as a ransom for all. Then he goes on to say that he, Paul, was appointed as a preacher and an apostle to get the news of Jesus being the mediator between God and people who need to be saved, that that Paul was appointed a preacher to let people know that and people who had never heard, the Gentiles who had never heard about Jesus. And then he wraps it up in verse eight, says, therefore, because of all this, I want I want the men in every place, I want the people everywhere to do one thing. I want them to pray. Lifting up holy hands without wrath, without anger, and without dissension, without division, without conflict. And he begins the passage in verse 1, concludes it in verse 8, talking about prayer. In between are these verses about God wanting everyone to be saved, Jesus is the only mediator between God and men. And on either side of those verses that are evangelistic, he's instructing us to pray. So we're going to talk about praying with an evangelistic mindset because we're good, most of us, at praying about physical needs, medical needs, career needs, family needs. We sometimes struggle when it comes to praying about spiritual needs. That's one of the reasons this month we're focused on how do you, on learning to pray for the, the spiritual life of other believers. Praying for the witnessing life of other believers as well as your own life and praying for those who are far from God. And that's exactly the context for this passage when he talks about prayer. And I want to start in a place you probably don't expect me to start with this subject. I want to talk about, I just want to remind us, if you will, that God really does want people to be saved. And that's at the heart of why you and I should be praying. Now think about this. It would be a waste of my time and your time to pray for those who are far from God if God really did not want them to be saved. 
There'd be no point in it. The fact that God does want them to be saved, that he does want a relationship with them should motivate us to actually pray for that to happen. And so that's the first point I want you to get this morning is that God really does want people to be saved. So pray. And he wants everyone to be saved. He wants everyone to be saved. Look at verse four. God who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He doesn't just want a handful of people that he chooses to be saved. He wants everyone to be saved. He loves everyone and wants everyone to be saved. That verse that practically everybody knows, John 3, 16. God so loved the... And that's inclusive of everyone. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, gave Jesus to die on the cross, that whoever believes in him would not but have everlasting life. God loves everyone, wants everyone to be saved. And that means the person that you are worried about because they're far from God, he loves them and he wants them in a relationship with himself. He wants them to be saved. And therefore, we should pray. There's another thing about this love of God. It's not just that he wants everyone to be saved, but Jesus, listen, Jesus died so everyone, listen, he died for everyone so everyone could be saved. Look at verse six. Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all, as a ransom for all. When Monisa and I were younger in our marriage, and we'd go home to Kentucky for Christmas. We'd meet with her family and then next day with my family typically. And, um, and before we all had a bunch of kids and grandkids, everybody bought gifts for everybody. You know, when the family was smaller, you can do that. When there's a whole bunch of kids and grandkids, then it's too expensive. And, you know, the older ones, we get left out. You know how that goes. But in those early days, we bought gifts for everybody. You know, the in-laws, everybody. And uh, so we, we buy a gift for her sister, Diane. At the time, Diane was not walking with the Lord. And something I would do as a way of, of, of witnessing to her and trying to influence her with the gospel is every year, in addition to her gift, I would buy either a biography or an autobiography of some well-known Christian that, that could be alive, could be dead, really live for the Lord, and it was a good book. And the joke in our family became, all right, Steve, what book are you getting me this year to make me cry? Because usually in those stories, there's some tragedy, there's, you know, there's something. And Diane loved to read. She was a vociferous reader, and she would read that stuff. And so I would give her these books, and she would read, and then we could talk about it. And I would say, well, you gonna, how are you going to make me cry this year? Just a way of witnessing to her. Our grandson, Liam, out in California, who's 13. Um, see if any, how many of you ever read this book? It's from years ago when I was in high school. Uh, I gave him the, the, the cross and the switchblade. Any of you ever read that? The cross and the switchblade. If you haven't, um, you know, what God did in, in, you know, saving some people out of gang life and stuff. And he's going to, he's read it and loved it. He's going to read it again as part of his school project. And, uh, and then I also just sent him another, but just a, a way of having influence. Now, if you do that, it needs to be people who are the real deal. Okay. And, and 
the book needs to be well written because there's a lot of stuff that's just poorly written, okay? So read it before you send it to anybody. But, and, and, and how many of you have ever done something to try to help somebody know Jesus? You ever invited somebody to church? You ever, you, you ever tried to help somebody connect with God? Do you know what, what Jesus did for that person you, you worry about? He died for them. That cost him a whole lot more than it cost me to send Liam that book. The verse said he gave, his, he gave himself as a ransom for all. A ransom. Literally, it means he paid the full price for their freedom, their deliverance from sin and the grave and hell. He paid the, the full price for all, not just some. Don't let anybody try to tell you the Bible teaches Jesus just died for a select group of people. He died for everybody and wants everybody to be saved. And he paid that price for everyone. And the price, the ransom, was himself. He gave himself as a ransom for all. Himself, his life, his body to die on that cross, to pay the penalty for their sin, for my sin, for your sin. And so that should motivate us to pray. I mean, if, if Jesus was willing to do that much for the person you care about who's far from God, is it asking too much to, to, that, that, that you and I pray for them? I mean, if he was willing to go to the cross for them, is it too much for us to pray for them? So yeah, God wants everyone to be saved and Jesus died so everyone everyone could be saved and here's the last thing under that part and then we're going to get real practical um, Jesus this Jesus the ransom Jesus he is the only way they can be saved there's no other hope for your grandchild your sister your grandmother your classmate, your friend, your neighbor, your coworker. No other hope. Jesus is the only way anyone who is disconnected from God, who is far from God, he is the only way any of them can be saved. Look with me at, uh, at verse, uh, what verse is it? Verse 5. He says, there is one God, not many, one God, and there is one mediator, one mediator between God and men, and that mediator is Christ Jesus. One mediator. You know what a mediator is. The, this word, the root word that's translated mediator, mediator here means, means uh, to be between, to be between, in the middle to be in the middle. And so it's an arbitrator, it's a, a, a mediator, it's a, it's a go-between. Jesus is in between. Jesus is the, the, the mediator between God and you. God, he's the mediator between God and that person you're concerned about who, who's far from God. And just as there's one God, there's only one mediator between people in God, between you and God, between that person you're worried about and got just one mediator and his name is Jesus. Jesus himself in John 14 said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and not one single person comes to God except through me. 
He's the only mediator. He's the, he's the only way. Because sin offends holy God. And all of us have sinned. That person you're worried about. All the names on that list that you wrote down uh, that you pray for because they're not walking with Jesus. Their sin, and they're all sinners, offends holy God. And it creates this gap, this separation between them and God. And the holiness of God demands justice. And justice means there has to be punishment for sin. I mean, most of us in this room, if you've lived long enough, you've, you've been upset, you've been angry before when, when you felt a judge did not give an appropriate sentence to someone convicted of a heinous crime. How dare, you know, I'm just, be, to be above, just be totally transparent, you won't get my dander up, somebody who killed somebody in drunk driving gets off with just 10 years in prison because you chose to get drunk, which means that's the same thing to me as you choosing to pull out a gun and shoot somebody. It's not a bit of difference in my mind. If you choose to drink and drive, you choose to shoot. So that, that ticks me off. People can get drunk and kill somebody because they were drunk. That, that offends my sense of justice. Now you may disagree with me on that issue. That's okay, but there are things that tick you off, right? Like that, maybe something different. But why do we then, why do we then expect God just to wink at sin? It's not a big deal. Oh, they really didn't mean, no big deal. Do we not understand that sin offends holy God and justice, true justice requires there be consequences? And that's true for your best friend who's not following Jesus. That's true for your relative who's not walking with Jesus. But this just God, this holy God also loves them and that's why Jesus is the mediator because you can't fix it and they can't fix it. So Jesus sent Jesus, God sent Jesus to fix it. And on that cross, he became the mediator between God and us, between holiness and sin. As on the cross, all sins of all people were placed on him and he became sin for us. It's like he went to prison for us. And the justice of holy God was respected. But the love of God made a way for you to be forgiven and changed. And in a relationship with God, and one of the reasons you need to be praying for those people you know and care about who are far from God is because that Jesus, that mediator, is the only way everything can ever be fixed in their life. There's no other way. So pray and pray and pray. And those of you in the room right now and you're not walking with Jesus, you are far from God, Jesus is your mediator. He died on that cross for you. 
And it's like he's reaching out his hand on behalf of the Father and saying, take my hand and let me bring you to the Father. Let me bring you to the Lord. Let me bring you home. But you've got his hand. We had a man do that in the last service. You can do it in this one. When we sing in just a few moments, you can come to a pastor and say today, I want to take the hand of Jesus. I want to come home. I want to be right with God. I want Jesus to be my mediator and my Savior. So tell yourself right now, I'm going to do that. Now, I want us to get practical for a few minutes and talk about praying for those far from God. I wanted to begin this message just by laying the foundation. Hey, God wants that to happen. He wants them to be safe, so pray. He wants it more than you do, so pray. Now, how do you pray for those far from God? Three things. Three absolute must. Three absolute must when you are praying for people far from God. And the first one may surprise you. The first one, you have to pray for yourself and other believers. That's the first. Pray for yourself and other believers. That's why this month we're praying for each other's growth as Christians and for each other to be bold in witnessing as Christians. The, the starting place is not praying for the person per se. It is praying for yourself. Next month, Monisa and I will, be, will, will fly out to Los Angeles to spend some time with Jacqueline and her family. And I, I know when we are on that plane, They'll go over the safety instructions, whether it's, you know, a flight attendant doing it live or now a lot of it's just video based and all of that. But it's the same thing. And if you've flown, you know this. And they'll say, now, in case of an emergency and the cabin loses pressurization, these oxygen masks are going to fall down from the ceiling above you. And then they will tell you the first thing you do when it falls down is what? Has nobody on this side of the room flown before? Put it on yourself first. Why? Because if you pass out, you can't help anybody else. If you're not growing in Jesus, how can you help somebody else? If for whatever reason you don't have the courage to ever speak up and be a witness or invite someone to church, how can you help those who are far from God? The starting point is for us praying for ourselves and for each other in your life groups, in your D groups, in your family, praying for the spiritual growth and the spiritual health of each person you're connected with and for their boldness. That's the starting place. Um, Jesus in Matthew 9 said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Out there, there are so many people far from God that are ready to be harvested, ready to be saved. The problem is not the field. The problem is not enough people are out there working. And that's us. Not enough of us living faithfully and obediently, not enough of us inviting people to church consistently, not enough of us growing in Jesus, not enough of us sharing the testimony of how God has changed our lives, not enough of us memorizing Bible verses and being able to share the gospel with people far from God. There's not enough of us out there in the field of this world where lost people are actually working, trying to do anything about it. And Jesus said, because of that, what I want you to do is schedule Tuesday night visitation. What did he say? 
Come on, church, it's on the screen in the verse from Matthew 9. What did he say? Do what? What did he say? What? Beseech, pray. Beseech the Lord of the harvest. That's pray for more people to start working. So why am I saying that the starting place for praying for those who are far from God is that? It's reality. We don't need one of us or five of us or ten of us or a few of us. We need all of us. That's why part of the vision here is that every believer, each and every one of us, be able to spiritually feed ourselves because if I can't feed myself, I can't feed anybody else. So praying for each other's spiritual growth and evangelism. Um, Colossians chapter 4 verse 3 praying at the same time for us Paul asking the people in that church to pray for him and his team that the Lord would open open to us a door for the word so that we can speak remember we encourage you begin every day praying this way God give me an opportunity today to have a gospel conversation Give me an opportunity today to invite someone to church and pray that for other believers in your group, in your family, in this church. God, would you give our pastor an opportunity? God, would you give my Sunday school life group teacher and leader an opportunity? God, would you give the other members of my D group an opportunity? Can you imagine what would happen if we developed that kind of muscle memory that when you rolled out of the bed, the first thing you did was not check your calendar, not check the sports not check the news feed but you said God give us an opportunity today to be a witness for Jesus how this city might change that's where it starts so pray for open doors and opportunities and Colossians 4 4 that we may make it clear. God, help us know how to speak. Now, I'm, I'm going to go on a little preaching tangent for just a moment. On our Bible reading plan, you notice there's one Bible verse to memorize every month. And those of you in the D groups in particular should know about that. Now, listen, I'm not naive. Word is leaked out. The rumor is some of you and your groups are not memorizing the Bible verses. I'm shocked. Aren't you shocked? I can't memorize. Why do we have one verse a month in there for you to memorize? Why? Do you know? It's so you can make disciples who make disciples. If you can't memorize any of God's word, how are you ever going to share God's truth with anybody? And don't tell me you can't memorize one Bible verse a month because some of you've got the whole menu at your favorite restaurant memorized. Mm-hmm. Some of you can tell me who the starters are on your favorite team. Don't tell me you can't memorize. Each of those verses is a gospel verse intended to help you share the gospel with somebody far from God. That's why they are there. And when your group gets together as a D group every week, you are to practice those memory verses. And yes, learn them together. 
It's why in your D group, you are asked as part of the weekly meeting to talk about, did anybody have an opportunity to invite someone to church this week? Anybody have an opportunity to share the gospel with anybody and talk about it and pray for each other? You'll have those opportunities and then share with each other the people in your life who are far from God that you're concerned about and start praying for each other that you know who my ones are and I know who your ones are. And that, see, the, I love God's word. My Bible's marked up as much as anybody in this church, but I'm telling you, this is the tool. It's not the goal. It's becoming people who love God, love people, and make disciples, and disciples who make disciples. And a disciple is somebody who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and on mission with Jesus. And, and when we're making disciples, we're making other people who are witnesses for Jesus. And so everything that's in that agenda for a D-group meeting is there for a reason. And this is your pastor acting like your granddaddy saying today, get with it. There's a reason for all of it. Because there's a lot of people who've read the Bible going to hell. We're not trying to make people who can quote verse by verse the whole Bible. We're trying to make disciples. And God uses his word to make disciples. But the goal is not just Bible study. The goal is disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So get after it. Now, back to this message. Pray for ourselves and other believers. Number two, pray for the Holy Spirit to work in the life of those far from God that you're concerned about. Because God can do what I can't. The Holy Spirit can do what you can. I can't save anybody. But God can. In John 16, Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit said when the Holy Spirit comes, and that happened on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, that he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the word convict there literally means to convince, to prove, to show. That the Holy Spirit is the one who convinces someone that they are a sinner, a sinner and, and there's consequences to that sin and they need forgiveness. I've got people in my life I pray for who they have no interest in God right now. They've put him out of their mind. I can't change that, but God can he can use me, but I need, I need the Holy Spirit to convince them, to convict them of their sin and of righteousness, that they're not righteous, they're not right with God, and the only way to be righteous is to receive the righteousness of Jesus as a gift. And judgment, accountability to God. So many people in our culture today don't think they're accountable to anybody, let alone God. And, and only the Holy Spirit can convince them that one day they're going to stand before God and they will give an answer for what they did with Jesus I can share verses, I can share my testimony, I can witness to them, I can invite, but only God can convince. So stop trying to do what is God's job and just do your job. And so I pray for the Holy Spirit. God, you know, and I'll pray things like, God, right now, allow something, that cause something to happen today, God, that causes so-and-so to think about you and their need for you. God, would you... Would you make so-and-so unhappy, dissatisfied with their life and where they are? Holy Spirit, speak to them right now and just make them miserable. Convict them of their sin to the point they are miserable and know they need help. That only comes from God. 
God, would you send, Holy Spirit, would you bring another Christian into their life as a friend who can be a witness to them? And Holy Spirit, would you work miraculously to move out of their life someone who's a bad influence? You can pray those kind of prayers for people by name, can't you? And that's the third point is pray for them by name. Now, so, so pray for yourself, pray for the Holy Spirit, and then you pray for the person and persons by name. And these are the kind of prayers I pray. God, let something pop up on television today or on the radio today or on their phone today or on their pad today that makes them think the name Jesus. God, let them hear your name today and not in vain. And God, use me in somebody's life today because as Paul said in the book of, uh, of, of Corinthians, he planted in Apollos water, but God gave the increase. And, and sometimes when I'm out in public and I speak to someone, there's some Christian I don't know who's praying for that person and loving that person and witnessing to that person, and I'm just another drop of water that God's using in that person's life. You can be that. And by the way, you can pray for others to do that in the life of people you care about in this city and all around the world. You can pray for God to give them a dream that shakes their world. So pray and pray and pray. I've mentioned previously that uh, I'd almost given up on praying for my dad. I really had. I'd, I'd almost given up. In fact, I wasn't praying as much toward the end as I should have been. Any of you ever gotten discouraged praying for somebody? And yet, God put him in the hospital, and when I least expected it, he gave his heart to Jesus, and that was in the spring, and I went home in the summer and baptized him in the river, and then Thanksgiving weekend he died. Don't you ever quit. And not just with your family, but with your friends and your co-workers and your classmates and your neighbors. Because as, as, as much as you want to see them saved, God wants to see them saved even more. So pray and pray and pray and pray some more. Prayer is not the last thing you do. It's the first thing you do. It's the first thing you do. Start your day with it, finish your day with it, and then in between. And by the way, when you're fasting and you feel those so-called hunger pains, pray. It'll pass. It's a prompt to pray. And if you do that consistently, you'll develop new muscle memory, spiritual muscles. And some of it will start coming much more naturally to you. So pray, beloved, pray. Let's stand. As we sing this song, pastors are coming to the front. Stand here. And you can come to one of these pastors to join this church or request baptism. Or as the man did in the last service, I need Jesus. I want Jesus to be my mediator. I am ready to become a follower of Jesus. I am ready to be saved. If that's you, wherever you are in this room, please come to Steve or to Jamie, and they will lead you in a prayer. You come 
to Jesus right now. Others of you come to this altar and pray for your own walk with Christ. Pray for someone who's far from God. Pour out your heart for them. Pray for your boldness. Maybe you're, you're, you're timid, you're shy. Come and pray for God to make you bolder. For God to give you words. Let's sing. Listen to the Lord and come right now.